Did you know that Infendo Radio is supported by viewers like you? You can go to patreon.com slash Infendo Radio and throw us a few bones. We put the donkey in Donkey Kong. Infendo Radio is on now. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Infendo Radio. This is episode 488. I have the whole crew with me. How are you doing tonight, Conductor Lucas? I'm doing just dandy, my are you, friend. Is that the Wind Waker I oh, see? You, it's two Wind Wakers. I got ten, and nobody's going to get that except for, like, the five people who are watching this live. I was, I was using my fingers <laughs> to conduct the opening music. Enjoy that, Very radio nice. listeners, and all the wonderful visual gags we've got for you tonight. <laughs> um, Justin, how are you doing today? You're looking um, awfully green. Uh, what do you mean computer doesn't meet requirements? Because I'm... Wait, prepare green screen. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, I, because of the Zoom update, I can't do my virtual background. <laughs> Which matters a lot well, now to Justin's our radio just listeners. Mad. Yes, yes, he is. <laughs> Now Justin's just All right, mad. So I'm but don't worry because Steve has arrived and he found an actual Wind Waker, so he's casting well, a spell to make you not sad anymore. Damn straight. Straight from Zelda Symphony. Oh, wait. Is that already a swear? Crap. <laughs> is that already a swear? <laughs> Damn it. First word of the show is Pika. I don't, I don't think you swore, but I'm going to make a note just in case. <laughs> is Dan a swear well, word? you have found Infendo oh, okay. Radio. I, found, I picked it. Um, this is the, you know, this is the what you have arrived to. We like to talk about Nintendo stuff. We like to go on to Twitch. So if you're watching us not live, go to twitch.tv slash Infendo Radio. Go see us there. You can see Justin's virtual background is working yes, it now. Is. So with that, we are going to be right back after a word from these. Us. Um, <laughs> after more yeah, words from us. It's really just us. It's really just us. <laughs> What's that sound? It's a new challenger approaching, and it could be you. Go to patreon.com slash radio and you could be the new challenger on our show. All right, so we're back. It is time to talk about the top five. Wait, actually... A new challenger has appeared. It's Steve. He's got a product review for us. Why don't you tell us about what that is? All right, guys. So for those of you that have been watching our recent swag channel on our Discord, I have a brand new addiction. Well, not brand new. I've been working on it for a while. Um, for those of you that are watching the live stream, you can actually see them. They are Amiibo cards, and these are actually a really good quality. Um, I've been getting them on Etsy from this seller um, that goes by the name of Big Kid Toys. We will have a link in the podcast description for our audio listeners. And there will be a written review going live tomorrow morning, which is Thursday morning. So if you're listening to the produced show, just hop over to Infendor and look at it. Um, but what these are is I've gotten kind of tired of Amiibos being expensive and rare and hard to come by and really hard to store. I've probably got over 100 figures right now. And they're like in two giant ass toolboxes that I never touch because I'm too lazy to get them out. So what I've found is I've been ordering these little Amiibo cards, and I've actually been storing them in a binder, and they work very, very well. Um, and I will have pictures of these on the website tomorrow. Um, but yeah, so if you're looking at these, you can actually see they're a very high quality card. They are not glossy, um, not as glossy as you're seeing in the image anyway. This is what they look like outside of their sleeve, and they are printed on both sides. 
So, I think right now the Kirby set is selling for about $14, and right now it's free shipping. And I'm not sure how much longer that's going. But he can do just about whatever set you want. He normally sells a full set of Zelda cards. They're the 22-card set, not including Young Link yet, but I think he'll be adding that at the end of the week. Um, I, I've got a Kirby set from him. I believe he does a Mario set, if I remember right. But what I've been doing is I've been ordering custom sets. So, like, I ordered a Donkey Kong set that has the Smash, the Smash Brothers Donkey Kong Diddy Kong K rule. It's got the Mario version of Donkey Kong and Diddy Kong. But then my set also has the Skylanders version of Donkey Kong, both the regular and the dark version. Um, and I've been really pleased with the quality of these amiibo. Um, I actually just ordered a second set, and the second set that I got for this review is actually the five yarn amiibos. So Poochie, uh, Mega Yarn Yoshi, and then the three different colors of Yoshi. Um, I got Box Boy in this set. I got um, the Loot Goblin from Diablo, just because it's kind of a hard amiibo to come by, and I will eventually play that game. Um, Eugene, how do you say his name from Dark Souls, since I'm obviously a huge fan of Dark Souls? <laughs> Solier? I say Solier, Solier, but I've heard it pronounced Solier, okay. so, you know. And then the last one I got in this set was Shovel Knight. So, and again, they're, you know, printed on both sides. Um, but yeah, so this is a really nice way um, to actually get some Amiibos you're missing. Um, you know, so I've just really been enjoying it. I do have, like I say, at this point I bought a binder for them so I can store them and have them look very, very nice. Um, so yeah, um, does anybody have any questions as far as that much goes? Well, I, um, I, I just want to mention something before we go any further with this. Um, this isn't like a sponsored thing or anything. Like we, we got the cards. We were asked yeah. if we wanted to do the review, and we're doing the review of the cards. But it's right. not like we were paid to talk up this guy's merch. No, because you, you yeah, gave a glowing review of these cards. It very much right. sounded like it could have been like a sponsored post, but this is not like sponsored content. We just right really and like these cards. and so. full transparency. I spend about twenty five dollars a paycheck getting amiibo cards, so I've been buying them in sets. And this is not something that's even, like Lucas said, come out of the Infendo bank account. This is just something that I've been doing. And, you know, I just decided to do an on-air review of it. Um, we do have some stuff in the works with him that we'll be announcing next week. So stay tuned for that. Um, but yeah, so look up the seller on eBay. Very, very good. He's very quick to ship. Ships out usually within 48 hours of you placing the order. And, like, I think I ordered a set on Friday, and they were here by Tuesday. And that was, like, I paid for them on Friday, and they arrived in the mail on Tuesday. So. Hmm. Yeah, so. Yeah, look, look for a cheap alternative to Amiibos, and you don't have any issue with the fact that they're not, you know, first-party products. Check them out. I've got yeah. a couple cards. Not, not from this guy, necessarily, but I have a couple of Amiibo cards from, like, Zelda Amiibos that I couldn't find in the stores. And yeah, it kind of makes sense, you know. Yeah. And my wife's happy because it saves money on buying Amiibos. Now the only one I actually have to, uh, you know, the only ones I still have to buy are the Zelda ones because I have to have that complete set just for display. I still need an Ivasaur. Right. I can't yeah. not get an Ivasaur. Well, and one, once Ivasaur is actually released, he will be able to make one and sell it. 
so he'll add that to his yep. smash. No, but I want, I want an, I want an Ivasaur amiibo. Like, I don't oh, care a figurine. As much about, like the yeah, actual. I don't care yeah. As much yeah. About Joker. <laughs> I want a Joker. Um, what are those called? Ninja droids or whatever. Ninja. Mm-hmm. I can't. I can't Ninja droids. Nin- I want that because that looks amazing. I don't need a Joker amiibo. <clears throat> I need my favorite Pokemon as a little statue, man. I gotta get that. So. <laughs> Right. So, awesome. real quick, a couple questions well, from the uh, chat. Um, Schnazzy yep. says, or let's see, sorry, Brian says, so he makes them and just loads the RFID on them? Yes, he buys the cards with the chip inside them, and then oh. he loads the correct RFID. And then Minus asks, can he make a three, you know, a three-hold straw Amiibo card? He does not have that capability, but there are sellers on Etsy that do. Justin, you got yeah, a question? Um, um he yeah, feels- are these PVC cards or are they the the ones that he does um, are actually the cardboard like ones? To- okay, so I do have another seller that I've bought from in the past that does the PVC ones, but they take a lot longer to get, and I actually prefer the cardboard myself. <laughs> Lucas, I think you this have a question guy, as well. Um, he also won't be able to do. Oh, I was just going to say, this guy also won't be able to do, like, uh, Animal Crossing and stuff right now. He just doesn't have the capability for that. Because I, I right. assume he has to actually buy the Amiibo to get the chips. I, I'm assuming I that's think how they're made. From so, what I gathered, from what I gathered from him, he does have all the Amiibo figurines that he loads to the chips. And he hasn't well, gotten yeah, into the Animal Crossing the, cards The hard yet. part about doing, like, Animal Crossing cards is they're, like, random packs, you know? So, mm-hmm. unless right. you're using some kind of, like, spoofing software to create fake chips, you're not going to be able to make something that comes in a random pack, so. Right. believe and me, with... I asked. When it comes to <laughs> Animal with... Crossing, I don't mess around. And I I did find a seller who made me a, uh, one of my favorite villagers as a card. So, you know, that's a thing. So, and this guy too, um, like he pays attention to details, uh, much like I do. Like I scanned onto my little NFC reader that I have that connects to the computer. I scanned Donkey Kong from Smash Brothers and it comes up with uh, SS Donkey Kong. And then I scanned the Donkey Kong Mario version and it comes up with SMB Donkey Kong or Mario Donkey Kong, I can't remember what. And I even scanned the Skylander one, and it just comes up as Donkey Kong, which is how the actual figures scan if you place them on the portal. So he does pay attention to details. The SS Donkey Kong, my favorite ride. So (laughs) I was going to show on air how they, you know, connected to the Switch and the 3DS and everything, but we're kind of out of time. So I will add that to my written review, and you can look that up on Vindo.com. Take take our word for it. They yeah, look just like amiibos. Otherwise, I wouldn't keep right. buying them. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I was gonna say now you're just gonna have to buy the whole damn set. I'm getting there, <clears throat> one week at a time. All right. Well, Luigi did tell us that it's time to move on, so let's do that. Um, it is time to talk about our Infendo top five. <laughs> so I think I think we have a pretty cool topic this week actually. So we're going to be talking about the top five towns in video games. Um, I have my list and but I didn't necessarily order it aside from maybe my number one. Did you guys happen to order your fi- five towns at all? I ordered mine. I'm very excited for this topic. So. Mine are ordered. Okay. Do you want to take us into this journey, Lucas, then, since oh, you're will, seeming to be the most prepared of the three, or the four of us, rather? I, I will Willy Wonka you right down this chocolate river, my friend. Um, so, Ew. yeah, so <laughs> this week, our Infendo Top 5 is our favorite cities, towns, villages, 
etc. Places where people live and gather and are found in video games. Um, my number five is... I, okay, so I had a lot of towns that I really like in video games. And I had to like whittle it down Steve style until I just found like my top five. My number five is Jolly Roger Lagoon from Banjo-Tooie. I might be a little biased because I just played this area in Banjo-Tooie a couple of days ago. Man, I really like this. As far as like collectathon levels go, I love ones that feel organic because they usually don't. It's usually just like a big open plane with a bunch of things to pick up. Jolly Roger Lagoon has like a little bar where you can like rent a room at the hotel. It's got a wave race emporium, a pawn shop. It's got this whole underwater thing where you can fight Lord Wu Fak Fak, um, which is entirely intentional. So please, nobody make a joke because Rare already did it 20 years ago. Um, it's just really good. I love that level a lot. The only reason it's not higher up on the list is because compared to most of the other areas in my list that we'll be going over tonight, it's pretty empty. But it's still got a catchy tune, catchy world. I love it a lot. Go play Banjo-Tooie. Get to Jolly Roger Lagoon. It's the best place in the game. That's my number five. What have you got, um, person who wants to go next? Let's say Steve. Okay. <laughs> um, Steve. My number five is a town that Lucas and I built with the listeners of our show in Minecraft. Oh, you dirty Number cheater. five, I did cheat a little bit on this, but number five is Treetop Town from our from the Infendo official Minecraft realm, Banffel Stamp. Um, I have a, like, complete... I, I have almost an automated farm in there at this point. Um, you know, I've got automatic uh, melon harvesters, pumpkin harvesters, egg harvesters. I've got all the crops that Lucas went out and found for me. Um, I've got a hidden base there. Lucas has his own treetop fortress. Minus has his own treetop fortress. I built the railway system there. Sky's got his. Sky's got his. That's right Sky's across got his, from like, Lucas's. Monster Frankenstein mansion. Phantom has a stone square that has a lot of pictures in there. Um, but yeah, I need to get some video of this place so Eugene can see it because it is absolutely amazing. And it's cool because we spawned right in a jungle, which was a pretty rare spawn at that, at that point in Minecraft, but we spawned right in a jungle, which was kind of what we were looking for. And we literally built on the very first tree we saw when Lucas and I got into that world. So you, if you decide to join the realm... You literally drop right in Treetop Town. There's a pathway, torches, and a sign that go right there. So we built on the first tree that we found, and then I liked Steve's tree better, so I requested that Steve trade trees with me, and he agreed. Mm -hmm. And that's how we got our, our houses in yeah. Treetop Town. Yeah. So, yeah, so like I say, I cheated a little, but I couldn't not put Treetop Town. I mean, it's Minecraft. Come on. Good choice. <laughs> Yeah, I, I knew you would sneak sneak it in somehow. Mm -hmm. We found yep. out how, and that's why it's a number um, five. Well, I'll go next because I I have, I have mine. Right, so yeah, I'll, I'll I'll jump on next. My number five, if I guess I'm if I'm gonna order them. Um, I got I hate to put an ordering on this because I love them all, but I'm gonna I guess I'll put number five as Emil from Golden Sun. So um, Golden Sun is like one of the games that I hold near and dear to my heart because it was one of the RPGs that I played on the GBA back in the day in my backpack, like every day in algebra class. Sorry, Mr. Trenton. <laughs> I apologize. Um, 
But yeah, it's a great game. And I have a sucker. I, I, I'm sorry. I have a uh, soft spot for um, snow levels or snow places. And Emil is the snow Clearly place you don't live in, in upstate Golden New York. City, you know? <laughs> right? So, you know, as soon as I got to the northernmost part of the map and there was snow and then I went into the village and, you know, there was snow and everything in there. I loved it. It was great. There was even, like you know you might groan but like there was even those block pushing puzzles that where it would slide on the ice and i loved that like you know that kind mm. of stuff so no i actually, really, I actually <laughs> yeah. really like those too i just wanted to groan <laughs> well thank you for that i appreciate the groan um but yeah i i just really really love um snow towns and that's one of my favorite ones I, that one sticks out to me so Email. I, I don't know how, if I'm pronouncing it right. I am I L, Golden Sun. I would say email. Mm-hmm. All right, Justin, you're up. All right. Well, I'm gonna kind of take a page out of Steve's book and cheat on my first one, because um, my first one is pretty much any city from any Grand Theft Auto game ever. Like I couldn't pick one. Like there, some of them are huge some of them are small but just really well designed there's always something to do something to look at and especially in the hd games like uh, realistic representations of actual buildings and landmarks from their the cities they're ripping off just like each each grand theft auto was just mind-blowingly immersive when it came out and just each one has built on it and even though some of them haven't aged as well um it's still like i still remember the feeling of when i first played the game and i've been playing the series since the very first game so um kind of cheap but pretty much any grand theft auto city ever (laughs) (laughs) sure I, I haven't played, like, I think we've mentioned this before, I haven't played many of the Grand Theft Auto games, but I will say that, like, when I was watching friends play, like, you know, like, Vice City, for example, like, it's a cool representation of, like, the towns that they're mimicking, you yeah. know? Um, no, I know. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, um, I, I can't even remember the name of the, the L.A. city anymore. It's been so long since I've seen Los, GTA V. Los Santos. Los Santos. But, um, like, you, you've you played GTA V enough, and then you watch a movie that takes yes! place in L.A., and you, you recognize landmarks, you know, like the L.A. River, and it's just, it's nuts how how you, like, pick up on buildings, and you pick up on, like, streets. And, yeah, and, and that's crazy. special. Like, I've been to New yeah. York City several times, so when I'm playing Grand Theft Auto IV, I'm like, hey, I've yep. been to this place, and... Yep. You know, I'm I'm actually yeah. disappointed that certain New York City landmarks or recognizable buildings aren't in GTA 4 because so many of the other ones are. Like every yeah. every time, I'm like, is the Ghostbusters firehouse? No, the Ghostbusters firehouse mm. isn't here. But you know, like the New York Public Library is, the Plaza Hotel is. Obviously, they've got you know a Empire State Building. Um, they don't have anything yeah. to represent. One World Trade Center, either the Twin Towers or the new um, tower, but that could have just been, you know, because, yeah, or it could have just been because the era that the game was being made, I think the building was still being built, so maybe they just didn't have one then. I can't remember. Right. Uh, I... 
and not to go off on too much of a tangent, but um, and this didn't make my list even, but I will always remember L.A. Noir for the game being such a good representation of, of Los Angeles. Um, you know that that's where E three is, and you know I, I you can drive down the street right where E three is. Look where the convention center would be at that time. You know the Figaro that one of the hotels that I stayed in was there in L.A. Noir, which is really eerie to see. So like yeah, it was yeah, that's because like the difference between L.A. Noir and like the Grand Theft Auto games is L.A. Noir is an accurate like street for street mm-hmm. representation of Los Angeles from yeah. what the 1940s or whatever. Yeah. So like whereas Los Santos is basically scaled down into a very game friendly um size and and you know spatial relations LA Noir is just straight up you're driving around Los Angeles in the 1940s. So, like it's and- if you ever watch any of those movies that were either made in or take place in yeah, L.A. or Hollywood at that time, like that's what you're driving through. It's so weird. <laughs> and, and then likewise, and yeah. then we'll go to our number fours because you know. Um, but if you play Persona Five, it pretty much apparently mimics Tokyo pretty accurately. Like you can sure. you can pick up on specific like landmarks and things in Tokyo. So that's cool. I always appreciate that. But my number four is not at all based in reality. Um, if any of you have played Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door, you might remember the Glitz Pits, which is the MMA-style oh. fighting area where the great Gonzalez, a.k.a. Mario, fights through 30 waves of enemies to become the title champion, get the belt, spoilers. win the Yoshi, all that good stuff. But, yeah, spoilers, I'm sorry, guys. Boot up your GameCubes, get into it, it's a good game. Um, but the town quote-unquote, that the Glitz Pits takes place in is called Glitzville. It's a very small hub outside of the Glitz Pits. It just has a couple of shops and everything, but the overall atmosphere of that area is just so cool because you get in and there's all these different posters for fighters. You can go in and you can actually, like, watch the fights happening from, like, the front row. It's just, it's really well done. Once you become a fighter, you actually start moving up from like the minor league to the major league. The quality of the locker rooms gets better. You start getting fans that come out to like see you that you have to like hammer away to get out the front door and stuff. It's just a really good part of the game. Um, It comes at a super rewarding time too because you've just gotten out of one of my least favorite levels, which is the Great Boggly Woods, which is just this monochromatic puzzle-based nightmare. So it's just it's that it's that prime moment for me in the game where like the gameplay peaks and you just know it's going to be fun for like the next two hours. So Glitzville is definitely my number four. Steve, what's awesome. yours? Well, my number four surprised even me. It came up in conversation <laughs> the other night, and I was like, that was the last thing I did in Breath of the Wild that I really enjoyed, and it's Terrytown. There was just so much cool story. There was so much cool story that was in there. And gathering the different people into that area and watching the town grow. And then finally seeing all the cool stuff that you could do in there. I really enjoyed that. I didn't, like, I put down Breath of the Wild for, like, two or three months after the DLC came out. And then I finally booted it back up. And I'm like, I'm just booting this up to do Terrytown. And then I probably won't play this game for another couple years. So, but man, that was so much fun to do that. So if you haven't done the Terrytown mission for whatever reason, do it. Do you remember how much I bugged you to do Terrytown? And you were like, oh, I'll get to it eventually. 
I was on your yeah. case about that, man. Because it's like it's the one part of the game that really has like really fleshed out character development and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it's cool. Right. Yeah. It felt so like it felt Zelda. I really loved Terry. Yeah. So. It was really cool, and I don't even think it's the first Zelda game to do that. I think there was another town that I seem to remember where you had to bring different people in, but it was the first one that I really had fun doing it. So That that was, uh, and like the Brianosaurus says in chat, that Terrytown theme will get stuck in your brain for days. Yes, well, and it is cool listening to it evolve, like Mm -hmm. like when you get the first uh one and it sounds like the first race that you get in there. And then the second one, it's a combination of those two themes. Yep. And I love when they do musical stuff like that. I'm a huge music nerd like that. Really Me good. too. Yeah, when they take uh, the one theme, the first time I was hip like to that was like it. in Super Mario World when you are in a theme, but then you get your Yoshi and the theme changes to the, you know, it has the. How does that go again? Um, I, I'm, I'm going to tangent off of that just slightly because. Um, when we were doing our top five video game <clears throat> songs, I picked the wrong music from Super Mario Galaxy. I should have gone with Rosalina's Cosmic Observatory <laughs> because of all the different iterations of it and how it builds and builds the farther you get in the mm-hmm. game. Too late. It's been archived on sure. Nintendo.com. There's no going back. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, all right. Well, so I guess that next? means that I'm next. Um, I'm going to jump in and go with my number four. Um, my number four is, I don't know, I'll just say it right out. It's Raccoon City. Oh, wow. Namely yes. from... I almost yeah. did this. Really? Yeah, so uh-huh. it, namely from like Resident Evil 2, because that's my favorite um, iteration of Raccoon City with the mansion and everything. Um, that's the one I would have But it's done, not actually. like it's a happy place or anything like that, right? <laughs> Quite but the opposite. It's, yeah, but what what's cool about it is almost in a um in a sense you get a the the actual city is a character in itself, right? The actual world design, the level is a, a character in itself cuz you learn okay, this is the room that I left this zombie in because I didn't have enough bullets, so I'm going to have to run around him or whatever, you know? And, like, you start to learn the little intricacies like that and where everything is and, like, where the herbs are and the save rooms and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then by the end of the game, you're basically an expert, you know? So you're, like, running around around zombies like a champ. And, yeah, it, it's, it, it really is a good example of level design, I think. And for that reason, I chose Raccoon City as my favorite town interesting choice nice um i guess that's me now huh well i'm gonna i'm going to kind of segue off of my grand theft auto uh with a more specific example of an open world crime based game and i'm gonna go with stillwater from saints row 2 um i spent i've and I've said this on Twitter, I've said this on the show, Saints Row 2, I think I liked so much better than Saints Row 3, and I haven't played any of the other Saints Row games, but um, there's just so much to explore in that city. It is so large, and there's so much random stuff in that game. Um, my friend and I used to, you know, kind of pass the controller back and forth and, and play with cheats on and just kind of messing around for a little while. And... Uh, we stumbled onto there's a a cavern system under the city like 
like act like you know like the type of caverns that form over millions of years with the stalactites and stuff. I don't know how else to describe it, but yeah, there's this cavern system that you can go into and explore, and there's a river running through it. And if you swim down the river, there is a shanty town of homeless people that's like way down at the end of this one bend in the river, where like all these homes are built up basically out of the physics of the game like they just set up planks of of wood and and doors and stuff like that they're just held together by the physics engine and all these homeless people around and you know things on fire um i discovered for the first time in years of playing the game a cemetery and if you go into one of the crypts in the cemetery there's a creepy sex room (laughs) And in in a cave underground, and then when you come out, you come out like in another part. Like there's just so much choice for your favorite thing. (laughs) Well, there's just so much to explore. Like even years later, I'm discovering things. There's a casino. There's a mall. I discovered a shopping mall for the first time a couple of weeks ago playing the game. Stillwater, Saints Row Two, my favorite. And please, please, THQ Nordic. I know you're bringing out Saints Row the Third on the Switch. Please bring out Saints Row Two as well. I will buy both of them. Just give me Saints Row Two on the Switch, with all the cheats Saints intact. Saints Row the Third is probably my favorite Saints Row, but Saints Row Two was definitely good as well, for sure. So. Yeah, we had a discussion about this well, on 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 Twitter, and Saints Row Three was where it started getting silly. And to some people, that's better, but I think it went a little too far into silly. <laughs> sure. Well, all right. Well, Lucas, why don't you tell us about your number three favorite town I, and or city? I absolutely will tell you about my number three favorite town and or city, Eugene. <laughs> um, if you've played Skyrim, as oh so many of us have, you know that there's a lot of different towns to choose from. Um, but... My absolute favorite is a town called Markarth. It is a town kind of to the far left of the map. It's entirely made out of stone because it was built by dwarves a few thousand years ago or whatever. Um, But as soon as you get into the town, you have the option to quickly, if you act very quickly, to stop this guy from killing this random lady in the street. Um, Whether you stop him or not you end up knee-deep in a murder mystery, which is one of my favorite things to do in a video game, (laughs) and you end up going to jail at the end of the murder mystery and having to break out either by working with this kind of bizarro terrorist sect that has been trying to take back their land, quote-unquote, or by betraying them in the prison and escaping from them. It is just, it's a beautiful town. Um, the fact that everything is made of stone makes it just incredible to look at. The The houses are beautiful, the, the inns are beautiful, everything about it is great. And the entire like main quest in that town where you're doing the whole prison break thing, it's just top notch. Like there, there are all kinds of random events in Skyrim and that's part of what makes it one of my favorite like open world games. But I just always get this warm feeling when I end up at Markarth. Um, also, Markarth was where I, like, right outside of Markarth was where I got one of my favorite random events, where this orc meets up with you, and he's like, I want to die an honorable death. I'm getting old. Fight me to the death. And you have to, like, kill him, and he's all, like, grateful for giving him a warrior's death and everything. So that was cool that that <laughs> randomly spawned right outside of my favorite town. So. <laughs> um, so 
I I did that mission as well, and not fully realizing what the group of prisoners were and what their intentions were, <laughs> I ended up helping them. So nice. I got some I got some nice stuff out of the deal. So you know, I got some boots that let me carry an extra thirty pounds worth of stuff. See, but, it's funny uh, because. That's, that's what I love so much about Skyrim. Sometimes the first time you do it, you don't fully comprehend what you're doing. And you're just like, I'm going to help this group of people. And then you're like, oh, they want to kill everyone. Cool. Yeah, well, I mean, they, they do. They, <laughs> they, they told me, you know, their land was taken. Oh, well, that's terrible. I'm, I'm going to help you with this. Oh. That's... And then as soon as you broke out, they killed like 30 guards and yeah. ran out the front gate. <laughs> That's awesome. Lucas, what was the town in Skyrim that I liked? The uh, Wizard Academy or whatever it was. Oh, is that Whiterun? can't remember no, the name. No, you, you're Hogwarts. talking about... Um... <laughs> yeah, it's basically Hogwarts in Skyrim. Yeah, I can't remember. It's a town It's a town far in the north. Winterhold. I think it was Winterhold. Yes. Winterhold, that was and it. That, has the... that was the... Yeah, if I would have picked a Skyrim has... town, that would have been my town. Because it has, like, Hogwarts, basically. It has this Mage's Academy yeah. <laughs> you can go to. That's yeah, it was actually. so much fun. And so that I did not. Where my usual wife ends up uh, living. Uh, the oh, person really? that I usually end up marrying when I play that game is a student at that academy. So there you go. Nice. A student, huh? Yeah. So, oh, yeah. so I did not. I did not pick White Run for my number three. Instead, I picked Village from Shovel Knight. I couldn't not pick a Shovel Knight town, but there's only two. You've got Village, this is or you've got the your Armory. Games. I know, right? Um, but yeah, Village is cool because when you first go there, you know, there's only so much you can do, but there is hidden stuff in there. There's hidden music scrolls, there's hidden mini games, there's um, relics that you can buy that really, really help you out early on in the game if you spend the time to get the money early enough. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just its own level, but it's even cooler when you go back as Plague Knight. Because as Plague Knight, when you go back, and spoilers mm -hmm. for the beginning of the Plague Knight campaign, they don't let you in. You're a villain. You're a bad guy. So yeah. you have to bomb this random little shack, and then as you're going down through the sewers into Plague Knight's lair, you actually see Shovel Knight just strolling into town right above it. And I will always remember that <laughs> one little scene in Shovel Knight. And that gave me so I much appreciation for what they did with the Plague Knight and the Spectre Knight campaigns. So, you're, yeah, you're it was actually... actually I, I mocked you. <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> but I'm exactly right, huh? It's just such yeah, a nice little exactly. touch that not very many games are able to pull off. So, well, yeah. yeah. You're, you're um, essentially I... playing the game at the same time that you were playing the original uh -huh. game. Right. And yeah, that's the battle actually, between I Plague Knight and Shovel like... Knight is the exact same battle. Yeah, you're just playing from the other character's perspective. I, I haven't played too much of Plague Knight. I haven't even touched Spectre Knight. But when I heard Spectre Knight was going to be like a prequel f long before um, uh, Shovel Knight, that kind of turned me off to it because I liked the idea of playing your game alongside the original game, but from a different perspective. I thought that was a very unique concept. Well, to be fair, Spectre Knight technically just takes place directly before Plague Knight and right. Shovel Knight. Or Spectre Knight, did I say Shovel Knight? Anyway, Spectre Knight is like, it's like <laughs> the build-up to Shovel Knight. Because like, as soon as you finish right. Plague Knight, you're basically starting Shovel Knight. Because the villain yeah, has already you, turned you... into the villain, so, you know. 
yeah, if you're looking at the timeline of the Shovel Knight franchise, oh, you go, you, it's it's <laughs> uh, Spectre Knight campaign, and then you've got at the same time, very much like the Oracle games, you've got uh, Shovel Knight and Plague Knight campaign. Um, Where does yeah. the split go? The King Knight campaign? Well, depending yes, on whether or yeah. not Plague Knight is victorious, uh, <laughs> the timeline splits. Yeah. So. Now, spoiler right, alert, exactly. even, if you, even if you win that fight, Plague Knight still loses. So, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Justin, it's still worth playing all three campaigns. Just play them in the order you, that they were released. Yeah. That's what you want to do, is play them in the order they were released, because that's the way they were meant to be played. Also, they just that's get the way like, they were each time. Like, Shovel Knight is mm-hmm. the worst game in the series, I'm telling you, man. Yeah. I, it's, it gets a so, lot and, and shameless plug, and then I'll let, I think, Eugene take his turn. I do have a poll out on Twitter right now to see which version of the Shovel Knight campaign I'm going to stream. And right now, the Amiibo version is winning. The Amiibo version of Shovel okay. of Hope. So okay. go find that poll and vote for it. It goes for three I hope more there's days. An option. I hope there's an option for the butt mode, because that's what I want to see. Well, if I do the Amiibo campaign, it's going to be butt mode, <laughs> because my Amiibo right. is nicknamed Butt Butt. So Good. remember that oh, as God. you vote. Wouldn't have it any other way, but... Lord. Uh, yeah, and this amiibo, right, by the so way, where, we've got... what has happened here? <laughs> I, I'll tell you what's happening. I'm going next. <laughs> um, so Steve has gotten his Minecraft and his Shovel of Night, so I guess we'll be hearing from him his number three of Shantae. But that's not <laughs> my number three. Um, my actually, my number four is... Wait, are we on four? We're on three. No, no we're, we're on, on three. <laughs> we're on whatever's okay. next. We did I'm five, then four, then three. Lord, counting hard. <laughs> My number three is actually kind of cheating um, oh, because cheaters. it may or may not contain <laughs> multiple towns in it. However, my number three is Peach's Castle from Mario 64. Oh, um, mm-hmm. the, for a couple of reasons. Um, that game did a really good job of, I guess, kind of onboarding the player um, and kind of teaching them what was what. And that kind of started out right outside of Peach's Castle in the in the you know the courtyard and everything, right? So that kind of teaches you how to collect coins. It'll teach you how to swim. It'll do all of those things. But then once you get inside the castle, you kind of can put you. The cool thing also about Mario, right, is you get all the skills basically right from the get-go, aside from, like, you know, your cap that flies and that kind of stuff. But basically, anything you can do at the end of the game, you can do right in the beginning. So it teaches you all of that outside the castle, and then you put it to use in every single place that you go to inside the castle, you know? So, um, yeah, I just think that that was an excellent example of a game tutorializing you without, like, shoving a tutorial in front of your face, you know? It's a question for you then. Um, in Mario Kart 64, did you spend a ton of time driving right up to the castle and like peeking inside and looking at like yep. inside the castle and everything? What yep. normal person didn't? Good. <laughs> yes, many a race were something lost. Else, some, something yeah, else right, we all agree seriously. on tonight. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's my number three, Peach's Castle. Um, Justin, what is yours? Well... Um, funnily enough, my number three is Delfino Plaza so from Super <laughs> Mario Sunshine. Um, 
I, I, I mean, I guess I could extend it to even just saying the entire Isle Delfino because no matter where you are on the island, you can look out at the horizon and see based on where you are on the island where the other places of the island are. Like, you can actually see, right. like, Rico Harbor, Harbor in on the horizon of, like, some other part of the, like... like that the was ge- a really good yeah, touch. Yeah, the geography of of the Isle Delfino is so well defined. Like it just feels like a real place and, uh, and just exploring, like there wasn't much to do in Delfino Plaza, but what there was to do was just so much fun that I could boot up that game and spend, you know, a half hour just kind of running mm-hmm. around and grabbing Yoshi and eating fruit and going Cleaning into tunnels and vomiting Yoshi all over all the time. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> Uh, uh, one moment, you might have to edit this out. Okay, I'm back. Um, but yeah, the Isle Delfino and and Delfino Plaza and all that just so many memories of running, even more memorable i think than like well not more memorable than peach's castle but a much more unique experience i think <laughs> like it was just it would it it was just something brand new for mario like it was something we'd never been able to do from in a mario game before so mario sunshine out. had a lot of my like first gaming memories like i will I, i've said this a hundred times on the show but I will never forget the first time I saw water in that game, and I was like, they finally did it! They finally oh got water right in a video game! Oh like, my god, the GameCube uh, itself was just marketed on how good the water was. You had Mario Sunshine, right. you had Wave Race, you yeah. had... Um, Pikmin. Yeah, like just like every mm. game that Nintendo made for the GameCube had some sort of amazing water effect because well, they could. Hell, Wind Waker. Part, I mean, that was that was kind of the last video game system that Nintendo worked on that was, like, touted as being, you know, really high-powered. High right, that yeah. Was, that was right mm-hmm. before they stopped focusing on the high-tech stuff, so, yeah. Yeah, if it wasn't for the DVD drive being gimped, basically, because it was on a mini-DVD, it would have been more powerful than, like, your PlayStation 2 even, right? Because yeah. Well, I mean, it was more it powerful was. than PlayStation 2. It just had the downside of not being able to hold as much stuff per disc, but... Hmm. Right, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Fortunately for Nintendo, well, Nintendo that is means... sorry. Is that re- Nintendo's really good at making really good games in really small file sizes. Yeah, it was actually kind of a blessing yeah. in disguise that they didn't uh, get the deal with Sony and do that whole thing because then we got the Wii and all that creative nonsense. So I don't know. I'm a fan. Right? Yeah. We probably wouldn't have a Switch if the Nintendo PlayStation was a thing. Um, yeah. Well, anyway, to totally bring us back on tangent, my number two. Um, this is probably my kind of out-of-left-field one. I spent most of this thinking I was going to have a ton of Pokemon levels, and then I decided that I kind of had to pick just one. And out of all the Pokemon games, my favorite city or town is Fennec City from Pokemon Coliseum. If you haven't played Pokemon Coliseum, which I'm guessing most of you probably haven't, <laughs> it's basically um, the Ore region, which is where it takes place, is kind of based off of like Western... United States, kind of that whole like Utah, Nevada kind of desert region where there's not really much to do or see. And that's Fennec why it City felt is touted so as homie. being like, there you go. 
Um, so Phoenix <laughs> City is touted as being kind of like the, the oasis in the desert. So one of the things about Pokemon Coliseum that they didn't do in XD, which was weird to me, was you can't actually catch Pokemon. You just snag specific Pokemon from bad guys. And that was obviously a gameplay mechanic because they didn't want to put in wild Pokemon. But I thought it was fitting that you're in this desert wasteland where there's almost no life. Um, when you get to this city, which is one of the first places you go, there's this beautiful water structure, and there's these like aqueducts that are carrying water all around and everything. It's just a beautiful city. There's a lot of life there. Um, at the time, I mean, you have to understand, this game came out at the same time as like Ruby and Sapphire and Emerald. Like, this was like a Gen 3 Pokemon game. So there wasn't a lot of life in Pokemon back then. Nowadays, it's like, okay, yeah, you've got, like, Castellia City from Generation 5, and you go into <laughs> 6 and 7, and everything's in 3D, and people are walking around. But back then, Pokemon was basically just a traditional RPG. And having this one be, like, the first one on a home console, where you could actually see people, like, running around and having conversations, and it was cool. It was really special and unique. And I don't think any city was quite as lively or vibrant as Phoenix City, which was the very first one in the game. So that's why it'll always kind of have that special place for me is that place that, you know, you, you remember when you go back and you think about the games. And the right. soundtrack was bombing. The soundtrack was really, really good. <laughs> so. so, yeah, that's, that's my pick. Well, speaking of yes. out of left field, I have done something I never do. I picked two towns from one franchise, which I never do in a top five oh list my. out of... I know, right? Um, so my number two... Rules. Yeah, out of my own personal rules. After I cheated with Minecraft. Um, so my number two is actually the Twilight Princess version of Zora's Domain. Of all the Zora's mm. Domain I've seen, that is my favorite. I like that version of the music the best. I like that giant waterfall that you can jump off into. Like, I just love that version of Zora's Domain after you thaw it mm -hmm. out. Um, I like that the... It's really cool. Um, when you bring that uh, giant... Oh, yeah, I forgot the that giant it starts rock. on ice. Too. Yeah, you're, it's the frozen. That's right. Arena of time. <laughs> yeah, and you yeah. bring in that giant rock from the volcano area and drop it down and it thaws everything mm -hmm. out. Yeah. That rock stays That's there. right. And there's secrets sitting in there and there's Zora's swimming around. And there's stuff looking at you down there. God, I gotta play that game again. <laughs> like it's just so cool, um, and I love jump. I love diving off that waterfall because they even got his dive animation for when you do that. Can I? Can I? Fun fact, you Steve, and say that I almost <laughs> picked Zora's Domain as one of my areas, but <laughs> I didn't go with it because of my number one, which you'll hear shortly. But okay. I was trying to decide between Zora's Domain from Breath of the Wild and Zora's Domain from Ocarina of Time. And I was going to pick Ocarina of Time because that little that little tiny cave with the water and Jabu Jabu and that has just always mm -hmm. been my favorite Zora's Domain. So that See, was my favorite Zora's Domain I think is probably Breath of the Wild just because it's so big and fleshed out. For what yeah. it's worth, Zoras were like that race that I bonded with as a kid, and I used to run around in the mm -hmm. Zoras mask from Ocarina of Time and pretend I was a Zora kid. And like I, I like, <laughs> I've told you the stories of how I RP'd in like all my video games. Yeah. Like that was that was the game, man. Like I had a house, I had a family, and I did my whole thing there. Like I was into it. So, yeah. 
Well, and then they've <laughs> even awesome. got the Zora's Domain level in Link's crossbow training, yep. where you've got the targets <laughs> that are going yeah. down from the waterfall. I played that level so many times. Yeah. So. Well, and Zora's nice. Domain also kind of attaches to my favorite minigame, pretty much in Zelda history. The kayaking one, where you go down the waterfalls oh, and yeah. you shoot the bombs. Like, that's good, oh, that's, man. Oh, that is fun. That's yeah. like the best minigame in a Zelda game, so. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Well. All right. Well, I'm gonna butt right in here and talk to you about my number two. I think, man, we're almost at the end of the list. Um, so I also have a Pokemon on this round of list of my list, but I went with straight up red and blue <laughs> Pokemon, and I chose Celadon City. And man, I just cannot get over how cool that game was. But then what really blew my mind when I was like a 10-year-old kid was that there's a freaking casino in this in this mm-hmm. town. There's a game corner, you know? So I actually spent a lot of time in the slots. And the shopping and, mall. You know. It was pretty cool, dude. Yeah. 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 Celadon City was a cool town. Like, Because, you know, up until that point, every town is pretty much the same in that game. You got your Poke Center, you got your Pokemart, and then you've got some houses that you can go in with some people to talk to. But this one, no, this one... Like, you had some yeah. really cool stuff in this town. So, yeah, I really, really, really liked Celadon City. Well, and that's, that's where you got Porygon. And as an IT person, Porygon's my man. Can we talk for a second <laughs> about how Nintendo's been slowly phasing out the gambling from Pokemon games ever since Gen 2? And Has it been how sad slow? that is. Like, like well, when you I go think... into the casinos now, and it's just, like, not a casino, or you can't play in it, or... Well, I think what I read or or heard or whatever about that was because that with the ESRB rating, any Mm -hmm. simulated gambling is automatically Mm. at least a T rating, and they can't do that to Pokemon, so... If if you even go back and play, like, Fire Red and Leaf Green, the um, gamblers have all been changed to gamers, and so has their dialogue. So, like, that one that you meet at the beginning who says, I'm a rambling gambling dude, they change it to, I'm a rambling gaming dude. Like, it's just, it's frustrating, man. Like, bring back gambling and Pokemon. Let me have this. <laughs> right? Hook like, them early. You know, yeah, it was just, I was just, I was just wasting my fake Pokemon money. Like, let me do it. <sighs> awesome. Well, um, I think that brings us to you, Justin. What was your number two? Oh, yeah, look at my list. Uh, my number two is. Well, I'm going to swap my number two and my number one because mine are in in no particular order, to be totally honest with you. Otherwise, Grand Theft Auto would be on top. But uh, my my next one is going to be Big Ape City from Donkey Kong Land. And not for any immersive reason, really, because, you know, it was Donkey Kong Land. It was a half-assed Donkey Kong country on an extremely underpowered... Um, you know, system, but, uh, like they, before New Donk City was ever, was ever imagined, they decided canonically that this was the city that the original Donkey Kong took place in, and it had some of the most original levels and backgrounds and some of the best music in that entire game. Um, it was really kind of the world that set Donkey Kong Land apart from Donkey Kong Country, because Donkey Kong Land kind of reused, you know, reused the jungle levels. It reused the, 
Mm-hmm. Um, cave levels. It reused the the underwater levels. Well, and the cart spring- was kind of a the cart levels right? too. I thought. It, well, no, it wasn't yeah. a port at all though. Like it 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 just basically it was a completely original game. Two and three were were. More or less. Yeah, more or less ports. They were downscaled ports. Right, but um, uh, Donkey Kong Land was completely original, but it reused a lot of things from Donkey Kong Country, but that last world in Big Ape City was, like, everything was just completely original. You had levels that were on on a blimp that had a scrolling background on a Game Boy, which was, like, mind-blowing to me that, like, it was almost like a parallax scrolling. Um... Yeah, and and some of the best music in that game is in Big Ape City. Like the construction site, um, like I listen to that music voluntarily, and for you know Game Boy music, that's usually pretty hard. But um, yeah, Big Ape City and Donkey Kong Land always always stuck with me as some of those the best levels in that game, and some of the best levels in a in a two D Donkey Kong game really, in a Donkey Kong game because the three D Donkey Kong game wasn't that great. <laughs> Is that David Wise or Grant Coker? Um, let's see. David, I believe, I'd have to look it up. Um, I think it might have been Grant Kirkhope who translated David Wise's music to the Game Boy and then added his own music on top of it. I Sorry actually... You asked. I act... Well, because I tweeted at them, at all the like credited composers a while ago, like, what would it take to get a remaster of the soundtrack using... You know, the Donkey Kong Country sound font. And uh, one of them responded, but I don't remember which one it was because I don't remember which one besides David Wise worked on it. But um, the original music, I think, was either Grant Kirkhope or maybe Graham Norgate. It was one of the G's. One of the, one of the, one of the OG's. <laughs> awesome. Well, Lucas, um, I have no drum roll for you, but uh, so mind giving us your own. number one? Um, <laughs> I wanted to pick a lot of, other than Pokemon, I wanted to pick a lot of Zelda levels. And as I started crossing off my list to figure out what you know levels I wanted to go with, um, I realized that Clock Town from Majora's Mask is, without a doubt, mm. the mm-hmm. town Ooh. that I hold all other video game towns accountable to for, like, why didn't you do this? Um, these days, there are games that have set routines in their, in their towns mm-hmm. and cities. But back then, when Majora's Mask came out, that was virtually unheard of. Unless you were playing, like, Harvest Moon... You weren't going to get, like, people moving around and set patterns and actually interacting with the town in a particular way. Right. People just stand around in towns and wait for you to talk to them. But Majora's and Mask wave their is arms a town around. with... Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But Majora's Mask is a town with life in it, you know? And that's so cool. Like, you can go out and you can find the old lady who's going to get mugged by the guy who's going to steal the bombs at 1 a.m. And you can mm-hmm. save her. You know, like there's just there's so many things in the town that happen at like every hour of every day that you literally can't see it all in a single setting. Yep. You have to go back in time and explore things and change things and determine the outcome of how things happen. You can check into the inn, but the only way to do it is by stealing a poor Goron's reservation and making him sleep out in the cold. Who has the same name as you. Yeah, that's right. Yep. I'm telling you, man, Clock Town is just like, in my opinion, it is the number one town, like even today. 
most games don't go out of their way to make towns that dynamic. And admittedly, the reason that the town is so lively and dynamic is because it's a gameplay mechanic, you know? You need to know mm-hmm. what the what the patterns of all the villagers are in order to accomplish their goals and fix their problems and make their lives better. But I, I cannot tell you a game that's done as good a job of it as, as Majora's Mask. I'm like, glad... Even, even to this day, the more recent ones, like Skyward Sword and Breath of the Wild, they still have static townsfolk by comparison. Mm-hmm. It's just... It's I'm so glad you good. picked this, because, like, I, there were a few, like, Zelda cities that came to mind, and none of them really stuck out, and I don't know why I never thought to go with Clockdown, but that's probably the most brilliant uh, selection on this list. Yeah. I just to me it's it's the city that all other cities should be held to the standard of when you're designing like a town or mm-hmm. city in your game. It just works so well. So Clock Town, best town in Hyrule, even though it's in Termina. <laughs> Steve, save me from myself. <laughs> so contrary to what our listeners think, I did not go with Scuttletown from Shantae. <laughs> contrary to what Lucas says, I did not pick a dynamic town at all for my number one. <laughs> My number one is Pallet Town, the first and only Ah. Pokemon town I even thought of. Um, Little known fact, Pokemon is the first RPG that I ever played. Um, So it holds a lot of nostalgia for me. And seeing Pallet Town... I want to say that's probably like the first... I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, You're but fine. I think it's probably the first RPG that I've like played and finished. You I was know? going to say Especially, the same especially thing, for people realized... our age. I was going to say the same yeah. thing, but then I realized I played Mario RPG when I was, like, three. So Yeah, Mario RPG would be my first. But, yeah, Come I on, remember... Steve, tell so, us about Pallet Town. So I remember playing it, obviously, in red and blue. And I remember playing it again in yellow. And I had the Game Boy Color, so, you know, I got the slightly enhanced version. Even though it didn't really do much on the overworld screen, it was just for the battles. Um, and then seeing it again in gold, silver, and crystal was so cool to go back to it and see what had changed. And then seeing it again on the Game Boy Advance, and then seeing it again on the Nintendo DS. Like, it's that one town that I have no problem going back to, no matter how many times I go back there. And seeing Red and Blue, you know, in all these later Pokemon games, and just knowing that they are the OGs from Pallet Town. Um, yeah, I really couldn't not mm-hmm. go with Pallet Town for my Pokemon Town. So. Nice. Yeah, I can support it. Awesome. What's really cool is as we've been talking about all these towns, like as we talk about them, I'm hearing the music in my head. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, these right. Towns are so Seriously. recognizable that you can just you can picture it. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, I will move on to my number one. Um, my number one town also came from Zelda, so I'm following Lucas's I footsteps here. It was going to be Illusion of Gaia. I'm color me surprised. <laughs> No, I love Illusion of Gaia, but um, I, you know, I, none of the, the towns really stood out to me there. Um, not like Kokiri Forest in um, the original Ocarina of Time. Um, so a few reasons why I went with Kokiri Forest, or how do you guys pronounce that I name word? Kokiri, 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 whatever it's called. I just um, read the word. I don't really think about the pronunciation. I've heard like 10 different pronunciations of Skultula, so you know, there's that. (laughs) I say Um, it differently. But, anyways, (laughs) Kokiri Forest, much like um, Peach's Castle, um, I think that 
it just does video game onboarding so freaking well. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously this game came out after um, Mario 64, so I think that they learned what they did with Mario 64 and really just ran with it and improved upon it. So, like, you know, you don't even start with your sword like you don't in a bunch of Zelda games. So you actually have to go and find it. But to go and find it, you learn, like, so many different game mechanics. You learn to crouch. You learn to um, put up your shield because you have to, you know, get past a Deku scrub that's shooting seeds at you, you know? Like, you just learn all of the Z-targeting, all of that stuff that basically was... Not basically, it literally was brand new. Like, none of these game mechanics existed before. And now they're just Z kind targeting. of, you know, common nature at this point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Was, now every game to, has that. It was able to do it without a horrible, clunky tutorial that took five hours, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> yeah, it, exactly. Yeah. So, like, you literally could be done with a tutorial section and onto the Deku tree within five minutes. But. On your first playthrough, it's probably going to take you maybe 15, 20 minutes. And that's fine because, you know, you're going and lifting all the rocks and lifting all the, the bushes and all that stuff, doing all the things. And that was fun because, you know, it was your first time in a 3D Zelda world and you were just so awestruck. I know I was anyways. So, yeah, um, Kokiri Forest, you wake up from your from the from the freaking Navi yelling at you. You go into the freak outside of your house, and it's just amazing. So yeah, that's my number one. Um, to me, Kikiri Forest is just like the the best representation of childhood. Maybe that's just because I spent a lot of mm. time like in actual like woods as a kid, running around with sticks and crap. But like like every sure. time I get to that area, every time I start that game. It's like you're you're in a forest surrounded by other kids. You all live in tree houses. It just it feels like mm-hmm. childhood, you know? And admittedly I was seven yep. when I played that game, so I was a child. But like it just yeah. instantly brings you back to those feelings of what it's like to be a kid, you know? That's there's something powerful. Yeah, I mean like one of your first items that you get is a freaking slingshot for Christ's sakes, you know? So like yeah, yep. absolutely. Awesome. Well, Justin, you're going to round us out in this Infender Top 5, so why don't you tell us about your number one? Uh, well, my number one is Lego City from Lego City Undercover. Um, Interesting choice. I, I, much in the same way as, uh, you know, like Grand Theft Auto and, um, you know, Saints Row and whatever, like just there's just so much to do and so much to explore lego city blew me away with how open and diverse it was and it's not just like it's not just a city there's a countryside there's a there's a beach side there's just so much in lego city and so much to do so much to explore like one of the things with you know open world games is you know as you know they talked about when making breath of the wild is having enough stuff to do and lego city's got that like there's just always something Mm -hmm. around every corner to to uh explore to discover to unlock and uh i've spent i spent so many hours playing that game on the wii u and recently replayed it on the switch i haven't done a lot of the open world like exploration and all the side quests and stuff like that like i did on the wii u just because done a lot of them before so but um yeah lego cities would just amaze me with how much 
was in it, how much there was to do in it, and how how well they did pretty much their first ever open world Lego game. I mean, they did a smaller scale with the Lego Batman 2, but uh, and I can't remember whether the Lego Marvel, the first Lego Marvel game was before or after Lego City, but Lego, Lego games just suddenly became open world exploration games, and it worked. <sighs> nice. I haven't played that game, but you're always talking it up. And Steve's always talking it down, so oh, yeah. I'll have well, Steve I, has well, I'm not even talking it down. I, I bought it for him, and he hasn't even played it. That's oh. true. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Fair. Well, maybe since it's his number one, you might pop it in once or twice. But uh, all right, so yeah, we really made it to the end of this segment. We are going to take a little break here, and we'll be right back. Got an idea for something you want to hear on the show? Email us directly at tips at infendo.com and get your suggestions in today. Alright, we are back. It is question block time. It is the time where our lovely patrons give us things to talk about, just like the Bryannosaurus. Um, why don't you read his question, Lucas? Alright, Bryannosaurus writes in, Favorite childhood after school snack? Ants on a log was the... Bigger! Eugene, edit that out. Um, favorite after school snack. What the Man. wait, no, no, wait, 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 wait. What the hell is ants on a log? You don't know ants on a log, dude? You take okay, you take a piece of celery, you slather some peanut butter on it so it looks like a log, you put some raisins on it so they look like little ants crawling on the log. Ants on a log. Boom. Yeah, dude. I thought we were literally talking about a piece of wood with ants. Okay, no. Oh yeah, no, I mean, you guys, first... Lucas, I, you, wow, you and I are spirit are animals when it comes to ants on a log. So, I mean, adding peanut butter so to celery is is part? is bland enough to begin with, but then you put raisins on it. So my least favorite <laughs> part of ants on a log is the celery because it's chewy and you know it's a lot. Of, it's a lot. That's of probably stuff, the only part of that list that I'm excited about. <laughs> raisins and peanut butter is a really good combination yes. because it, it makes the peanut butter. It has this cool texture to it. It's almost like eating a natural candy bar. So like one of the things that I do more now that I don't eat meat is peanut butter is a good source of protein. So I'll do a mix of just peanut butter and raisins on a spoon, and I'll eat that sometimes. And it's a nice, low-calorie protein sub. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about our favorite after-school snacks. Um, <laughs> I had two of them, and they're both kind of cheats and not healthy at all. Um, I liked these little koala cookie, um, little cookie things. They had, like, little chocolate in them, and they were shaped like koala bars. Oh, uh-huh, they were uh-huh, called Koala's uh-huh. March. And um, you can find them at the um, World Market up in Vieira near here. The more local brand that you can find all over the place is called Hello Panda, which is by the Meiji Corporation, which also makes um, the Pocky sticks. But Hello Panda isn't as good. They don't put as much chocolate in. It's not as flavorful. I don't know if I used to like Hello Panda, but these days I'm all about the Koala's March. But some of my fondest after-school memories were every now and then um, my dad would pick me up from the bus stop after school. And every now and then we would stop by like a 7-Eleven or something and get a Slurpee. That was that was good. Good times with Padre. So Slurpees and chocolate cookies, horrible for me. That's what I got. All right. So in uh, in upstate New York we have something. Well, it actually exists kind of all over the Northeast, and it may actually uh, may actually exist outside of the northeast i'm not sure 
but in most of the Northeast, it's, they're known as black and white cookies. Upstate New York has a special version of them called Half Moon Cookies. Um, and they, the Half Moon Cookie recipe originated from a local bakery. And, uh, and I love them. Like, they are, they are the greatest thing in the world. It's more of a cake than a cookie. And they're, you know, like, roughly this big. And it's usually a chocolate kind of cake bottom. And they're very dense with, with kind of, kind of like a, kind of like a, what the hell is the skin of bread called? Why am I not? Crust. There we go. Why, why was that word not coming to me? The skin of bread. (laughs) Kind kind of, kind of like a, like a chocolatey crust on it. And then there's chocolate frosting on one side and vanilla frosting on the other. And that's of course why it's called a half moon cookie or a black and white cookie. The ones in in central New York, like the Utica, Rome area, are the best in the world. And um, and I would always have, like my grandparents would get them from the local bakery for Sunday dinner. And then they'd have a box of them that they would send home with me. And I would have one every day when I'd get home from school with a nice tall glass of milk. And to this day, Hemstrots uh, or gingerbread... Um, there's a backstory as to why they're two different bakeries now, but th- their half moon cookies are still one of my all time favorite snacks. And I actually keep a bunch of them, like a dozen of them in the backseat of my car. So when I need a quick snack, I just grab one and eat it. So that's my favorite well, after school snack. I got three words, gentlemen, Oreos and milk. I can't eat it anymore because it is the trigger for my acid reflux. Nice. But man, did I enjoy that growing up. Oreos and milk is the trigger for your acid reflux? Yeah, I get the same. Chips Ahoy and milk That's are my bizarre. addiction, and, and it's the same thing. If I have too many of them and I haven't had my I, medicine, yeah, it's bad. God, the only Lucas, thing that gives I, me acid is, like, Mexican food. Well, then you don't have acid no, wait, reflux. No, wait till you get old. Yeah, wait till you get old you and say acid that. reflux kicks in. Like there's... What, do you have the secret to not getting old? I have the secret to not getting horrible acid reflux flares from cookies, apparently. Well, see, I don't, I don't know if Steve has the same thing I do, but I have, like, chronic acid reflux. If I do not take my medicine every day, like, I just, there's constant acid coming out of my throat, so. Yeah, well, this went from childhood it... favorite snacks to old man diseases. <laughs> Um, I, I actually have to take, uh, that over-the-counter acid reflux stuff twice a day. Mine's prescription. We're still having this conversation. (laughs) All right, all right, all right. I'm going to get the coconut on these old men, or I'm going to just kick their canes away, one of the two. Um, so, when this question first got asked and I heard about ants in a log, immediately it brought me to... Well, I don't know if this was the intention, but, like, when I think of ants in a log, it's like, oh, yeah, I ate that because, like, you know, we didn't have a lot of money growing up, so you just kind of found what you had and kind of ate it, you know? So what that brought me to was, what did we always have at the house? Freaking tortillas. Always. There was always fresh tortillas at the house. So what I would do was um, there was always tortillas, there was always butter, and there was always honey. So you would warm up the tortilla, you'd butter it up, and you'd put some honey on it, and make like a a poor like a man's sopa pio, dude. Oh, it was, yeah. Oh, it delicious. I'll still eat that as a snack today. It's really good, and it fills you up, you know, because the tortillas are filling. 
My mother-in-law makes homemade tortillas every so often, and we will still just put butter on those and just eat them right off the thing. Mm. As somebody who mm-hmm. just finished from dusk till Casa Bonita, I would love to try one of your homemade honey sopapillas. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. If you if we ever meet up, we'll make um we'll have to do that. You guys can have some really good freaking New Mexican food that we'll whip up. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Awesome. Hey, maybe one well, of these days yeah, I'll get mine. over to New Mexico. <laughs> yeah, well, you said you promised me one of these days. I so, I have a field. But yeah, check that's out mine. There. Well, you, you might just have to transfer transfer. The cost of living down here is nice. Um, okay, so that is mine. That is the end of that question. Why don't you take us away with Phantom's question? Steve, do you want to read that one or shall I read it? Yeah, yes, yeah, so I like music. Um, if you could only listen to one song for the rest of your life, what song would it be? Well, Pika. um, one song, one song. Can it be an album? Just an one album, song. a single album. No, Is that no, not okay? One song. one song. One song. One song. That's it. It can be a walking very on long the moon. song. Now, walking on the moon from Rocket League. Done. That's it. All right, well, I got mine right off the bat, dude. Um, Life Will Change from Persona 5, the music when you're going to fight the boss. It's it's like the ultimate badass theme. You listen to it, you feel amazing, you're walking down the street, all of a sudden, like, everybody's stopping and looking at you, there's spotlights shining down on you. Life is good. That's the only song I need to make me feel alive. So that would be my choice. Like, I don't think I could pick a song that I had only just heard for the first time a couple of months ago as the song I'm going to listen to for the rest of my oh, life. Oh, no, dude. That's like... it, man. <laughs> That's it right there. You have no idea how many times I've listened to that song. Right, because it's still fresh. But, like, next month you might hear another song and... and... No. No, I'm telling you, man. It stopped being fresh, like, weeks after I found out about it. I still love it. Um, I am declining to answer this because I just, I, I can't, it my it would trigger my ADD and like, I wouldn't be able to focus anymore. Like I have to have music playing to focus, but it has to be, there has to be a variety. You know that this isn't like a Yu-Gi-Oh plot twist where you're actually going to be forced to listen to the song. But I can't come up, I can't answer, I can't answer, I can't think of any, I can't think of any single song that I would want to listen to forever for the rest of life. Maybe, you know what, maybe an area music loop from Disney World, like the Epcot entrance. I'm choosing choosing Dragostad and Tay for you as as your default. (laughs) No, I picked one, the, the Epcot the Epcot Center entrance music medley. That's so it's like thirty minutes long, maybe forty-five minutes long, and it's all music. There I we love, go. So. There you go. There we go. Eugene, what you got for us? Well, let me tell you. Um, this was kind of a tough one. I think I've been thinking about this ever since this topic started a minute and a <laughs> half ago, and I still can't really. Um, think of anything the one thing that does come to my brain because i'm always thinking about it anyways the the one thing video game theme that just randomly pops in my head for some reason is the opening uh, music for ocarina of time the that one really it's yeah yeah i could but see that's i guess that's kind of my point like i can just kind of put that in the background and it can just be like you know like just background music i guess um 
I don't know. That that that'd be my choice. I don't want like something like freaking jump up superstar. No, you know, I'd, like, I'd like no, to point out that, some... I'd like to point out. I think you're interpreting the question differently, because it doesn't say that you're forced to listen to this song on end for the rest of your life. It merely says that it's the only song you can listen to for the rest of your life. Fair. So I don't think I don't think you're like stuck in a torture chamber and you have to listen to Dragostad and Tay forever. <laughs> But interesting choice. But, I can respect it. Yeah, yeah. That's that's how I. That's how I. You know, you, if you know me by now, you know that I like my snow levels and I like my slow video game music. So you do, I kind of live life in the slow lane, my friend. <laughs> You're welcome, so, Eugene. All right. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate you playing us out of this segment. We will be right back. You've heard the amazing produced show we have. You've never seen the stuff that we actually do when we record. You can do that every Wednesday night at twitch.tv slash radio. All right, we're back. It is Change the System time. Um, I think it's been a few weeks since we've actually had this segment, uh, truth be told. Um, so let's jump right into it. So, um, I finally, I'm going to go first because I only really have one game that I um, want to talk about. Um, I finally finished the game Grease that I was playing a few weeks ago. Um, Justin, actually I was talking about it the week that you were gone and it's one of the games that I wish that you would have heard about. So it's good that you're, oh, that I'm talking about it here now. I've, I've heard about it from, from other podcasts and I think it might actually be up my alley, but I just haven't. It very much is. Yeah, it very much is. Yeah, it's um, you've been talking for weeks about how you want a platformer that is not a Metroidvania. Well, this is very much that. It's like a point A to point B type of game, a bunch of you know very simple classic um, platformer type puzzles, but um, it's very beautiful and I think it's got a very interesting story. I guess you could say it's all environmental storytelling, so it's like there's not like any dialogue or anything like that, but it's really good. Um, I do not want to, um, I, I, I definitely don't want to spoil the ending, but I finally finished it, and it is really good. Like, the ending is enough for me to recommend playing the game to anybody, and quite frankly, I think it was only like seven hours, maybe eight hours that I played of that game total, but yeah, super awesome, super great game. Um, Grease is fantastic. Grease is um, the word. Though, I guess if you have never heard of the game, the gimmick of it is, you know, the game starts black and white and you slowly introduce color black into the world. So, yeah, um, I highly recommend that game. I think it's, um, we did get it for a review, um, so I didn't pay any money for it, but I think it's under $20, if I remember correctly. So, um, I'll look up that price and toss it off to somebody else. But, uh, yeah, that's Grease on the Nintendo Switch. Who wants to take next? Um, I'll go. Um, I don't go. have much at all to talk about. So, okay. I've, I have there are a couple streamed things that you and I and, both have to talk about. So, oh yeah, that's right. Um, I'm actually gonna let you talk about that one. Um, I have streamed Chocobo Mystery Dungeon, guys. I cannot believe how addicted I am to Chocobo Mystery Dungeon. I am already at 35 hours in this game. And I didn't even think I was going to finish playing it. Like, I thought it was going to be one of those games I picked up, put 10 hours into, and then something better came out, and that was that. 
I am literally trying to collect every possible buddy that you can get in the game. I am grinding the uh, dungeons to get the boss characters right now. Um, really, really enjoying Chocobo Mystery Dungeon. Um, God, what was the other game I've played? Um, it's been so long since I've played anything other than Chocobo. I did play Minecraft a little bit, and I think that was one of the ones that Justin had wanted to talk about. Um, we played with Brian in his world, and I built an, under, an underwater pyramid, and I taught Justin how to use sponges to basically get the water out of an underwater structure, and he found out what a pain in the neck it is, right, Justin? <laughs> oh, yeah, that was, I'm, I mean, if there hadn't been three of us doing it, that would have been, uh, uh, just excruciating. It would have taken a while. But uh, we did we did get it done, and we and we left a nice little river running through the middle. So, is yeah. Am I still yeah? Audible? Which was actually okay. kind of cool. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We need to um, jump back into that world with him at some point. Yeah. Um. That was fun. It was nice for me to get into Minecraft again because it's been a long time since I've really played it and. I've learned that it's not as much fun to play it all by myself because I've kind of done the things there are to do. I've mined, I've crafted. What else is there to do? Um, so having uh, other the people Ender Dragon? there to just... I guess... I don't know. I just don't... The idea of doing I... like story-based things in Minecraft does not appeal to me because I'd rather do story-based things in story-based games. So... <laughs> No, but, I've, like, I've always wanted to kill the Ender Dragon. It's on my bucket list. We'll get there, buddy. But, uh, yeah, so that was that was fun. I didn't build anything, but uh, uh, Brianosaurus was building uh, the Simpsons house, and he built mm -hmm. a, a an idol to, uh, who was it? Was it Krusty, Krusty or Homer? Or... I can't remember. No, what. it was Krusty. But... Okay, yeah, and it was basically like a just a giant statue using, I assume, like the sprite from a, an NES or Super NES game because it was slightly distorted from the original. So that was really cool. So I'm going to have to go check out his progress on that. But uh, he blew I, it up. I followed. <gasps> he, he said you can't. He said yeah. you can't. He said in the chat he blew up Krusty to make room for something bigger oh, and better. Okay, wow. well. Interesting. Now I really have so, to jump it'd in. It better be. It had better be a sprite for sprite recreation of the entire Bartman dance. Or I'm not going to be impressed. So, <laughs> so another game so, yeah. that Steve and I have kind of been sharing is uh, Power Rangers Battle for the Grid, which you know explains my background. Um, I I didn't know anything about it. I opened up the eShop, saw it there. I'm like, oh my god, Steve, look at this. You want it? And mm -hmm. uh, and he we bought we both bought day. the forty dollar version, yeah. Yes, um, I I was going back and forth on it, and then finally decided that, um, probably the people I'm going to play the game with most are my kids and Steve, and so I'm going to want to have as much in the game as possible for that. So, so yeah, I, I splurged on the forty dollar. What's and, yeah, right now it's right now it's pretty light on content. Like I'm not impressed. I'm hoping as the season progresses that we get some more stuff. Like I don't know, some music would be nice. 
you know? Yeah, there's there's only like six backgrounds to fight on and eight characters to play as and a couple of alternate costumes for those characters so that right. kind of, you know, expands the roster a little bit. Um and uh Yeah. Look, yeah, the I, music... I want to like that game. I want to get it, but I've heard that it's kind of barren, you know? Like, I, well, yeah. there's not even, like, voice yeah, samples. That's like, the thing. I want Tommy to say, it's Morphin right. Time, yeah, there's, damn there's it. No, there's no voices except for the announcer, and the music is all pretty generic Power Rangers <laughs> video game music. Like, there's no, there's yeah. no actual themes from the show. But yeah. the gameplay... Yeah is it's it, yeah is it, i mean there's a good fighting game there i mean it's basically like marvel versus capcom style fighting but with uh much simpler controls so like the every special move is a direction and a button and or mm-hmm. a direction and two buttons so it's easy to pull off the special moves but there's a lot of strategy behind that cuz you know, you you can pull off the moves quicker, so you can pull off combos, and you can tag in a teammate, or you can swap in a teammate and continue a combo. Or so, like when you're actually playing the game, it's really fun. It's solid. It's fast. The graphics aren't phenomenal, but I mean, it, but they look not good enough, and they move fast enough. Like there's a good frame rate and all that. Um, definitely room for improvement. Um, I think forty dollars is quite a bit to ask for what's there but there's the promise that it's going to continue expanding so as long as they deliver on that promise it you know it, it might be worthwhile in the end it's definitely if you're a fan of one-on-one fighting games and power rangers it's definitely worth the 20 dollars for the base game i got the 40 dollar one because there's was an ex- there were like exclusive skins for early adopters so yeah, I, I think you got a you got a Kimberly Hart Pink Ranger skin and a Green Ranger V two and I think the, yeah. there was a Lord Draken one that was exclusive as well. Yeah, and there's uh like Red Ranger with the dragon. Oh, armor. with the dragon shield. Um, yeah, that's right. Um, and and I said this to Steve. One of my favorite games growing up was were well were actually two of my favorite games growing up were the power ranger games on game gear which were actually based on a master system one-on-one fighting game that bandai had made and uh, they took the game engine ported it to the game gear which is easy enough because the game gear is basically a portable master system changed the characters to power rangers changed everything else to power rangers and released it and it was tons of fun but a lot of if not all of the green rangers special moves in battle for the grid are taken right from that game gear game so like (laughs) i just feel like i've gone back in time when i play as him (laughs) but uh yeah i mean Definitely, if you're a fan of, of both the genre and the franchise, it's worth taking a look at. If you're friends with us, you might even have somebody to play with. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Was that was that both of you guys that changed the systems? I got a little lost yeah. in all the Power Rangers. No, we, we kind of <laughs> I mean, besides... combined there. I, I, I sneakily transitioned it into Justin's because I knew what he wanted to talk about. Yeah, and, you know, like, uh, 
couple nights ago, I played some uh, Smash Brothers with Phantom. And, you know, so that was nice being able to play that again. Um, and besides that, I've mostly been playing South Park, The Stick of Truth, because another member of our team has also been playing a South Park RB RPG a lot, and it made me want to get back into The Stick of Truth. So um, I'm just going to pass the torch on over to that other teammate to talk about his gameplay. I'm going to be talking about, now that you nerds are done talking about Power Rangers, I can talk about the 150 <laughs> hours I put into Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. <laughs> Nerd. Um, so Smash Bros. <laughs> Ultimate is a video game on the Nintendo Switch. That's the transition I was and going for. Really? <laughs> yeah, no, that's all I'm going to be talking about this show, because I 100% oh, 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 the game. Is this spoiler time? Yeah. Is this spoiler yeah, time spoiler for Smash? Time. Okay, I want to so join you, into this. If you don't want to hear about how Smash Bros. ends... Stop listening to our show. Unsubscribe. Uh, take back your Patreon money. We don't want you. No, I'd love you. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> but um, so I sat down over the weekend and I was like, you know what? I haven't done. I haven't beaten World of Light. I should beat World of Light. So I go out. I do my World of Light thing. I get to the two final. Okay, so. Um, a little background here. Once you beat once you beat World of Light, which is technically just the first part of the game, um, mm -hmm. you've defeated Galim, and then Darkon shows up. And just as Galim is a representation of pure light energy, Darkon is aptly named a uh, being of pure darkness. And it turns out that the two don't like each other very much. So you have to go through the world of darkness and do a bunch of that mm -hmm. stuff. Once you get through that, you go to a third area in which Galim and Darkon are battling each other. Then you have to take down their minions, which are, you know, light enemies and dark enemies, and try to balance everything so um, so that uh, you, you don't have one side come out over the other side. If you get to the end, you get to fight either Darkon or Galim. What I didn't realize is that if you fight one of them by themselves, you get a bad ending. So I beat Darkon after a crap ton of time trying, and I was like, oh, neato. Um, that's, uh, that's, that's cool. I, I got that ending. And then Mario, like, collapsed in a pile of light. And I was like, oh, cool. Yeah. I messed up. Um, so I realized I had to beat Master Hand and Crazy Hand. I beat both of them, and that opens up a little rift at the end of the game. And that's when stuff got real, Eugene, because you get to fight, like, 60 enemies all in one fight as mm -hmm. Master Hand. You get right attacks. You get to just slaughter them, Hyrule Rule Warrior style. It was the best thing ever, man. It made it so yeah, worth it. I, I have been wanting to play as Master Hand since freaking the Master Glitch Hand. Melee. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. It was so so fulfilling to do to that it what was that sequence like five minutes maybe max but like it just, man it's just smashing through yeah no it's great well and then after that you have a three-pronged boss battle where you're climbing up a giant tower you're fighting all the old bosses and then you go up against galim and darkon at the same time their attacks not only mm -hmm. damage you but each other you're in the middle of this massive war between these two gods and when you take them down you finally succeeded at smash bros it was good, man. Like, like, yeah. For all of my complaints about World of Light, and the things that I disliked the most about it are kind of the parallel opposite of what I disliked about Subspace Emissary. I found Subspace Emissary really tedious and boring, 
I thought World of Light kept it interesting, but it was lacking in content. You know, it was lacking in plot. It was lacking in story. But what little it did have, it was good. Man, I had fun playing that. I did, too. Um, did you want to talk any more about I, World of Light before I, I spam the rest of this with more Smash Bros? The only thing I want to add is that, um, you know, when you get to the part and you have to, I think, what is it? I guess it's the third phase where you're fighting either the light ones or the dark ones and you have to leave, like, you can't battle too many of the dark ones and leave too many yep. of the light. Yeah, I enjoyed that, like, kind of chess match that you That's had cool. to do. It was really cool. Um so one more thing on the, the spoiler side of things, then we'll talk regular stuff. When I was getting through World of Light, I 100%ed World of Light. I forgot there was a difficulty slider. So I 100%ed <laughs> World of Light with the hard battles for everything. When I went back and one of the achievements in Smash is beating the third phase of the boss without losing a life, and I did it on easy mode, it was so freaking <laughs> quick and easy, dude. Like compared to yeah. hard mode, hard mode is a freaking journey. Easy mode is just like baby's first Smash Bros. Um, but that, that, yeah. that See, covers I'm, the spoiler. I'm happy I'm happy that they did that because doing it on easy yeah. means I will probably do it. Just so, you know, not yeah. basically mm-hmm. so I can experience it. Because I don't... Uh, that is not a game that I need to go through the challenge of doing it on hard mode. I don't feel like I need to do that, but I would like to experience the story. And knowing that I can scale that back and actually do it, yeah, I'm probably going to do it. <clears throat> yeah, so. And, and not to go on too much of a tangent there. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, you're fine. What's up? No, no, do you think? I, yeah, I was just going to go on a quick tangent there about difficulty and say that um, it's funny that you bring that up, Steve, because right now there's this <clears throat> weird, stupid video game debate going on about whether there should be easy mode in oh, games. Yeah like Sekiro and Dark Souls and stuff like that. And some people are saying, oh, no, it, it ruins the game experience. This is what how the designer intended well, it for it to be. Well, then on, don't play it on easy. On yeah. 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 I, I, then don't play yeah. it on easy. I, you know, and it's, it's I've, I've heard this debate before, and I always play on easy just because I don't have that much time to replay something over and over Precisely. and over again until and I get I right. always play on hard I, because I hate myself. We've established yeah. this. <laughs> but, um, I have a job. I have a full-time job. I have a wife. I have a podcast, and there's way too many games out. Yeah, I have exactly. two of those three things, like, and I play on hard because I hate myself. Like, uh, you know... Uh, Final Fantasy 7 I've already said I played it through on a hacked game save so I could basically skip through the battles Final Fantasy 9 I'm to- when I get around to playing it I'm totally going to take advantage of all the all the little bells and whistles to make battles faster and easier and all that just so I can get through the story because that's what I care about in a Final Fantasy game is the story and the characters but but yeah the, the gatekeeping man is just you know the the thing is, and I know we're getting off on a tangent now, but it the topic has been breached. So, um, video games are the only entertainment medium that requires skill to enjoy. And while th- I get that that's the appeal to some people, that's also that also bars people from enjoying it. And the more people who can enjoy games. I think the better and you know if people want to play on easy and you don't want to play on easy don't play those games with those people <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah it's crazy like I, I don't understand the argument there 
Like when somebody's saying, oh, no, like if you were to put in easy mode, that would just ruin the entire experience. Had, it's like, well, they don't play it well, on easy I, mode, not to, man. Not to untangentify this conversation, but I have a lot more to talk about. <laughs> We can keep doing this, but just know that I'm still going to be talking no. about Smash Bros. at the you, end. Of you, it. you take it. Let's let's toss it back over to you. Tangent over. Okay, so that was World of Light, but outside of World of Light, I did everything else in Smash Bros. Man, and I want to be recognized for it in podcast form. I did every event, <laughs> all 124 challenges you have to do. I got every single spirit. I have 1,303 spirits. It's you done, man. It's done. It's 100%. I'm ready for Joker. Yeah. I'm going to say just in time for uh, 3.0 to come out and give you more stuff to do. <laughs> I would be more than happy with that, man. I have wanted, I've been wanting to 100% of Smash Bros. since Melee. But I was too young and too stupid and had too much schoolwork to ever attempt it. And I finally have a portable game system that I can bring with me wherever I go and play whenever I want. And that accessibility, coupled with my age and my ability to actually play games more frequently than I could when I was a kid, like, I finally did it. Like, lifelong childhood goal attained. So Smash Bros. has been 100%ed, and it feels good, man. It feels good. That's that's my change the system. And that's why I, I wanted to talk about it. So I tried to hundred percent um, brawl, got about ninety percent of the way there with the help of a friend, and then we just couldn't do it. So here's a game design <clears throat> thing that I want to mention about Smash Ultimate that makes it a much easier to one hundred percent game than a game like Brawl or Melee. One of the most frustrating aspects of those games is the random element of collecting trophies and stickers and everything else that comes from you know the the way that you attain them. In Smash Ultimate, they did an exceptional job of making the spirits that you needed to obtain the ones that showed up more frequently. So there are spirits you can only get from the shops that you unlock in World of Light. There are spirits that you can buy with, you know, money in the game, in-game money, and there are spirits you have to get through either the spirit board or fusing spirits to make other spirits. When I got to my last hundred or so, and it started looking bleak for how I was going to get these last ones, I started noticing that the only spirits that were showing up in Spirit Board frequently were the ones that I needed to fuse to make other spirits. The spirits that were showing up in the shops were spirits that I needed to buy that I hadn't bought yet. They did a great job of reading what you actually need and what you don't need anymore and really pushing the stuff that you need for you. So you're not spending an extra hundred hours just grinding, waiting for them to I show up. I hate games that yeah, do that. Like when you're sh- sh- like grinding for like the last item that like, you need Like in a playing game or the trophy like mini game in um, Melee yeah. and trying to Melee. get those three oh trophies. Oh my god, yeah. No, yeah. It's, it's so much better than that. So if you've ever wanted to 100% of Smash Bros, if you're like me and you were like, I want to do this someday, like this is the game to do it with because it really does make it a lot easier for you. Well, it's not, it's next... not a grind fest. It's relatively natural. The The hardest part for me was leveling up spirits because you do run out of like food to feed your spirits to max them out, to evolve them, and a lot of the spirits are like that. But with all the events they've been doing, the weekly events they started adding in, you can grind for a couple hours and get plenty of money or spirit coins or whatever they're called, whatever you mm-hmm. need to either fuse or evolve or buy, whatever you need to get. So. Well, maybe that'll be my next challenge when I finish Hyrule Warriors. 
Yeah, couldn't be bad. And that was another goal of mine that I'm kind of vicariously living through you, Steve. Once upon a time on the Wii U version, I, I wanted to 100% say. that game. It, but it is only. I, a I'm at the time. point where. I'm at the point where I don't think I want to sacrifice that many hours of my life for 100 Hyrule Warriors. So I'll do I've Smash the Bros. Bridge. You do Hyrule Warriors, and we'll meet in the middle, and both still have. I, I've sacrificed I've probably have more hours. It. Yeah, I've, I've I've probably sacrificed more hours listening to you talk about Hyrule Warriors <laughs> than I've actually played it. Well, yeah, that's accurate because Steve's at what 490, 390. What are you at? 390, 390, 390, Me? and we've spent at least 400 hours talking about uh, Hyrule Warriors on the show. So. Yeah, it's math. Yeah. Awesome. Well, does any who's next? I I kind of lost track. We're you, I Justin. We're, we have we're done. Oh, we did it. Show's yeah, me and Justin were. Did oh, turn it off, man. Let's get the lights wait, wait, turned wait, wait. off. Let's pull up the confetti. It's over. We're done. Um, but you know, before we get out of here, we're probably gonna wanna tell the people where we can find us and all that fun stuff. So. Before we get that far, though, I want to thank each and every one of you guys who um, helped us to become affiliates on Twitch, because now that is a thing. We are affiliates. That's great. Um, what does that mean? Well, that means that you can subscribe to our channel and, you know, essentially give us money for watching us on Twitch, um, which we're not going to turn down. I mean, if you have a Twitch Prime subscription, you can give us free money. Well, you know, you're paying for Twitch Prime, but you know, you get a free Amazon sub. So think about tossing that us that our way. We would really appreciate that. Um, but that's all the plugin I'm going to do for right this very second, because I'm going to tell you about where you can find me. You can find me on the internet at Infendo Eugene. Find everything um, about Infendo at Infendo and on Infendo.com. Where can the people find you, Steve? Um, you can find me streaming Shovel Knight starting next week over at Twitch.tv. I'm actually going to do that at Infendo Radio. So Twitch.tv slash Infendo Radio. Or you can probably find me streaming Chocobo Mystery Dungeon at Twitch.tv slash Gentus. Or tweet what you want me to stream at Gentus1 on Twitter. For sure. Awesome. Where can the people find you, Mr. Justin? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at InfendoJustin, and you can find my Disney-related tweets at Utilidork. There's a website. I'm not even going to bother. <laughs> Fair. Until well, I got something to show uh, Lucas, for it, I'm not going to. I'm not going to pimp it. So. <laughs> Fair. Well, um, Lucas, what have you been bothering to pimp? Well, I've been pimping, my friend. I've been pimping uh, ChromaticQ.com. So if you want to head over there, um, there's not much new on the site itself, but on the homepage right under the logo, there is a little spot you can click to go to my Twitch channel. Probably the easiest way to do that, other than just typing in twitch.tv slash chromatic underscore you. If you want to give me a sub, give me a sub. I stream weekly, just little like hour-long game design sessions. They're more for me to stay motivated and work on my game than they are for watch but if you watch and enjoy i appreciate it because having an audience does help unfortunately uh last week i was exhausted on thursday because i had a work emergency so i pushed the stream to friday and when i streamed on friday i didn't realize that xsplit automatically pushes my uh youtube audio that i was listening to music in the background to the stream 
So instead of hearing me talk throughout the segment, you heard a bunch of music from Undertale and Legend Zelda. <laughs> Apologies for that, those of you who tuned in, but hopefully you enjoyed the music as much as I enjoyed listening to it. Next week's stream, I will be listening to music on my phone while I work, so that won't be an issue. Feel free to tune in and watch me. Uh, Steve and I might just have to show you, set you up with uh, Voice Meter Banana and show you about your A's and B's. Yeah. Yeah. yeah show me the we even, we even have C's, <laughs> Lucas. Oh, Lord. Yeah, yeah they're not C's. Yeah. <laughs> C's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm saying. C's are just a myth, Steve. <laughs> okay, well, um, thank you one and all for listening. For everybody at Infendo Radio, we are going to say goodnight. So we'll t- see you all next week. Peace. Ah, here we go. Bye-bye! Good night. Do you like to read our opinions on new and upcoming games? Would you like to share yours too? Email at us at tips at and maybe we can send a review code to you.